One thing Stu and I can agree on is that most of our listeners will have heard of Area 51. Area 51 is at the heart of everything we know, or think we know, about alien visitors. It is a familiar reference point for anyone with even only the most passing interest in UFO phenomena. But what about Area 52? We've heard reference being made to it in many sci-fi shows, including Stargate and Doctor Who. But there are those who contend that Area 52 is actually a real place, more secret, or at least less famous, than Area 51. Join us on Aliens Explored as we delve into the question of where, or what, is Area 52. Aliens Explored is a weekly podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? Welcome everyone to another episode of Aliens Explored, a weekly podcast where we delve into sightings, abductions and other otherworldly events. I am one of your hosts, Stu Jackson. And I'm your other host, Neil Kelly. And today on the show, uh, we are discussing... Well, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Neil, that everyone's heard of Area 51. Um, I think anyone who has even had even the most passing interest in UFOs and, and alien visitations will have heard of Area 51. Anyone who's watched the X-Files, anyone who's you know, had anything to do with it, you know, they will know about Area 51. Certainly the sort of people who are likely to be listening to a UFO podcast are, are likely to have heard of Area They're 51. They're but... quite likely to have heard of Area 51. Do you know what? We're not talking about Area 51 today. We are actually talking about Area 52 Right, so Area Fifty Proving Ground. Oh, you're launching straight in. Now. Yeah, I so, like this. <laughs> yeah, Area Fifty One. We know where Area Fifty One is. We know where it is. Is it marked on a map? I mean, we, we at least know where it. It's probably oh, maybe not on official. Yeah, oh, absolutely, maps, yes, yes. I mean, if you bought an Ordnance Survey map of Nevada, or is, is it Nevada? Or yeah, I believe it's Nevada. Yeah. yeah, would it actually be marked out Area Fifty One Forbidden Area? <sighs> I think they just refer to it as like military base or, you know, it's, mm. I, I, I don't know for certain. Um, perhaps some of our listeners can message us and let us know. How is it marked on maps in America? We're not in America. Because um, they can be quite cagey. I mean, I, I remember um, I remember during the anti-nuclear, the Greenham Common protests of the 1980s. Um, if you travelled up the motorway, 
you'd see these little roads leading off it and there'd just be a sign saying service road um authorized vehicles only and um anti-nuclear activists went and defaced those signs and said this is a lie this is this is the road that leads to nuclear base whatever <laughs> you know it's, that's well, you have, um, I mean, especially around Roswell and, and those sorts of areas, you have a, a lot of um, things associated with it. And so I think Area 51, well, the, funnily enough, I, I mean, you've kind of hit onto an interesting aspect with Area 52 here. So some people have speculated that because Area 51 is so famous, that actually it suits the powers that be. To mm. have this, oh yes, Area 51, everyone gets excited. Oh, that's where they keep the aliens and all the rest of it. Because some people theorise that the much more high security and secretive Area 52, which is um, a few hundred miles northeast from Area 51, uh, out in Utah, mm. um, is where all the shall we say, exotic materials uh, from Roswell and possibly other other UFO sites have been taken, and that's really where they're being worked on. Sorry, I, I made a mistake earlier when I said Nevada. Um, of course, Roswell is in New Mexico. Uh, Roswell is, but Roswell is not Area 51. Right. They're not too The two far, do get conflated, think. don't they? Roswell and Area 51... That well, they get associated because uh, obviously it was reported in the newspaper straight away um, from a press statement from the military. And I think it's mm. really important that we don't forget that aspect, that a flying saucer had crashed in Roswell and that it was then taken to Area 51. Right, which is this closed off area for military. Which is a... Uh, a Top secret military base. I mean, not that top secret, obviously. We know about it, but, you know, secret enough. Secret enough that you, you can't go. Now, I mean, if we're talking about Area 51 and Area 52, I mean, doesn't it stand to reason that somewhere there's an Area 50 and an Area 49 and an Area 48? And, you know, where do they get these numeric designations from? My understanding, and I'm not an expert in this at all, but uh, I believe it was to do with the numbering system that was utilized back in the 1940s mm. nowadays uh bases get like s1 s2 s3 mm. it, it, it's a little bit different um so there might not be an area 49 or or what have you um right yeah it's it's not as simple or straightforward quite as that um, but Area 52 is known by another name. Uh, it's known as the Dugway Proving Grounds. It's it's an area, so Area well, that's, 51's that's, um, pretty big. The, the, the Dugway Proving Ground is a US Army facility near Salt Lake City in Utah. It is indeed, and Which, this is Area 52. So what the, well, according to Wikipedia, it says Area 52 may refer to the Dugway Proving Ground. It may also refer to the Tonopah Test Range, a military installation near Tonopah, Nevada, because of course in that area, I mean that's where that's that's a vast area of desert. That's where atomic I don't know about nuclear weapons, but atomic weapons were tested. 
Oh, in the absolutely. Show, weren't they? And people would go to Las Vegas. One of the attractions of Las Vegas was to be able to go up on a roof with your with your cocktail and watch an atom bomb go off in the distance. <laughs> yeah. um, how how hazardous an activity that was. I don't know. And of course, um, um, Las Vegas has all sorts of. I mean, it was basically built by the mafia, wasn't it? Mm. As a as a as a gambling paradise out in out in the desert, a money making machine. Wandering. But it's also where I understand that's where drone pilots are based. All the all the American drones that are carrying out um, targeted assassinations all over the world, their pilots are in Las Vegas, presumably so, blowing their paychecks between shifts on the on the roulette wheel and the crap ga- crap crap games. Yeah. yeah. Now that means something else to us over here in the UK. Uh, crap crap yeah. means means bad it's well it's rubbish or you know, if you say something is shit we would say it's crap uh so yeah i, I so think crap. americans have that as well americans say oh crap oh, yeah. you know what I mean? and then when, when they say oh crap it's a nicer way of saying it's it's a bit nicer than saying oh shit um, yeah yeah, um, but, yeah. Uh, but, okay, but so they're, they're not referring to throwing some dice down a, down you, a table while like while, 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 while crap. the price yeah. call girl holds your drink for you <laughs> As long as it's just your drink. But let's not go there. It's not that type of podcast. Okay. So, um, so Area 52, um, it's it's appeared in many fictional places and areas in, in movies and television programs. Um, it's the code name for Stargate Command in the Stargate universe. Um, it's a secret government facility underneath Area 51 in the movie Zoom. I, I haven't seen Zoom, have you? Yes, I have, yeah. Okay. Um, it's um, t- Tim Allen. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's it's a cheesy kid superhero movie, but but let's let's put the fictional side to one. So the only reason it's used fictionally is because of Area Fifty One, and it's you mm. know, oh hey, you know, let's make it sound like Area Fifty One. Let's call it Area Fifty Two, and so it gets utilised a lot. Yeah, because um, when you first said let's talk about Area Fifty Two, I thought oh yeah Roswell all that, and I thought oh no wait a minute that's. That's I, area I, I, it, I had to pause for thought. I think, oh no, wait a minute, that's Area Fifty One, isn't it? I was getting getting Absolutely. confused. Absolutely. Um, so this one. Uh, so let's let's refer to it then in that case as as Dugway Proving Grounds from here on, um, for ease of for for avoidance of confusion. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a place that is three and a half times the size of Area Fifty One. It is massive it is as you very rightly say in the middle of nowhere Mm. they call it approving grounds there are signs up everywhere talking about you know do not come in because you know there's explosions there's you know all this kind of thing well yet there is no evidence sorry according to wikipedia um dugway proving ground is a u.s army facility established in 1942 to test biological and chemical weapons so you really yeah. don't want to go there well you could they die really a horrible want death. to put you off going there don't they but here's the thing so you've got all these signs up saying do not come in live i mean it, you know it's live mm. explosions it's live mines it's it's you know bombs being dropped here whatever whatever the actual signage says but they're they're making this absolutely clear to you. Yet there is no evidence when when you look, you can use the most powerful what they call binoculars. <laughs> the word escaped me for a moment. Um, use the most powerful binoculars. Going, you will not see any evidence 
of explosions having taken place. Well, no, if they're biological and chemical weapons, I mean, they're not going to leave craters, well, no, are they? No, they, they blow no, away. What I'm saying is the signs don't say beware there's biological or it's a biohazard. They say do not come in because we are exploding things here and there is no evidence of explosion. So they're lying. Well, no, not if they're... Not if they're aerial bursts or, if, it, if say, if it's biological or chemical weapons. They're, I mean, during World War II, um, Britain tested a biological weapon on a Scottish island. They tested the weaponised anthrax. And I, th- I think that island is still not safe to go to now. Okay, sort of okay 70 that's or 80 fair years later, that, that, you know, you really don't want to... I mean, you can't see anything there, but you'll die a horrible death if you... And, and I bet they say, don't go there, it's a biohazard. I bet yeah. they don't say, don't go there because you might get blown up. Mm. Because you wouldn't get blown up. They're saying, do not come in here because you might get blown up. They're not saying, do not come in, it's a biohazard. That's what I mean, mm. they're lying. They're lying about the reason for not coming in. Even if what you're saying is absolutely true, that that it is a biohazard risk... They're not saying it's a biohazard risk, and surely they should be if it is. Well, they they can be a bit cagey about that kind of thing. I mean, I certainly I remember when I was in the military, um, they were always calling for volunteers to go to Porton Down, the chemical weapons establishment, yes. which is down near Salisbury, to test. I remember one of them was testing this new facelift, and uh, you know we were told no, you won't be, you won't actually be gassed. You you will just. Yeah, you will just be sort of running around in it. Because, I mean, if you're wearing a normal respirator, apparently that puts an extra 40% strain on your heart. That soldiers have died because they've they've been made to do assault courses and things in full chemical warfare gear. Mm. And, um, you know, had heart attacks. And, and, you know, quite young, healthy men dropped down dead. Um, So there's that. But... We never really believed it. We they always said you know, we we're researching chemical and biological weapons to um, to build up defences to them, not so that we can develop our own capability. Um, mm-hmm. But no one ever really believed them. And there, there was that case a couple of years ago of the Skripals, the um, the Soviet or the Russian defector and his daughter, who were poisoned with a nerve agent. A weapon of yes. mass destruction, the first time it's been used no. on, on British soil, um, and became very ill. I think they survived, didn't they? But um, apparently the, the, the chemical agent was in a perfume bottle, and the assassins discarded it after, after using it. And it was found by someone, um, a woman found it, and sprayed herself with it, oh, and, and, and she died of it. I, f- I feel we've gotten a little bit off topic. We, here. we have gone a little bit. Okay, we're getting into chemical <laughs> so, weapons. <laughs> so, um, so I- either way, I mean, all right, I, I get what you're saying that you know these mm. things do happen, and, and of course they happen, and I, I understand that biohazards happen, but they're not saying it's bad. They're saying do not come in because you will get blown up. Well, which is which is clearly a lie. On, on Wikipedia, it says. Uh, Dugway's yeah, mission but, is to test United States and allied biological and chemical weapon defence systems in a secure and isolated environment. Yeah. Okay, um, we, Wikipedia gets a lot of things wrong. So, so yeah, I mean, but what, what I know from my own experience in the military is you don't need a chemical or a biological weapon to test a defence system against it. You can okay. use other things. You, you know, you don't need you don't need a nerve agent or a, or a you don't need um, mustard gas. 
to know that your to know whether your respirator is secure or not. You can use other things. Okay, to fair check enough. whether the, the seal works. You know that that sort of thing. Uh, how many how many um, hectares do you need to do that? Well, I mean, if they're doing it at Porton Down, they're they're doing it in a backyard, basically. Um, yeah. I, I can imagine if America in America they're probably do, doing more extensive tests. They're probably testing, oh, sure, um, deploying chemical weapons from an aircraft. So the plane flies over and just sprays sprays an agent over over an area. Yeah, you need a, you need a slightly bigger area for that. And okay, course, this is America, hundreds of kilometers. Well, America does benefit from having these these wide open it spaces, does. doesn't it? That, that we just don't it, have in the UK. It does, and there is something that kind of supports what you're saying a little bit. Um, in the mm. across the area, you don't have much above ground. Um, you've got some very large hangar type buildings, um, mm. sort of a road network. Uh, we we only found this out relatively recently. Um, I'll come on to that in just a moment, though. Um, and it has been speculated that most of it happens underground. Now, oh. that's um, been said by by people who claim to have uh, had reason to visit. One of them, do you remember way back in episode three, we discussed Bob Lazar? Who worked on, who claims to have worked on flying saucers. And do you remember where he claimed to have worked on them? Um... No, I th- I think I've got a note somewhere. About... <laughs> I'll give you a clue. We're talking about it in this episode. Um, was it a Dugway? It is Finally Dugway test. Proving Ground, Area Fifty Two. Bob Lazar. He worked on flying saucers at a place called S Four or Site Four. Yes, S Four within Dugway. Uh, it says that um, Nellis conf- someone confirmed to the I team. On, on the, the wire, that there is more than one S4 on the test range, and one of them is at TTR. Mm. TTR being... Um, oh, uh, Tamp or something. But, yeah. Yeah. Now... Um, military watchdogs say they don't believe there's a big underground operation. I mean, one guy, one guy claimed that um, he was driving a cement truck down there, they saying there's a, a, an underground facility capable of housing twenty five thousand people or troops. Mm-hmm. Um, he says he heard part of this from a cement truck driver who worked out there, who said it would take four hours to get to the bottom, dump the cement, and then wind his way back up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. although that cement truck driver later disappeared, but mm-hmm. there you go. Um, so there's that which okay if it was chemical testing you could understand them doing it underground you want to be safe you want to protect people and do it as far Mm. away from people as possible I understand so why would they then say oh no there's nothing underground they're contradicting themselves maybe because there isn't I mean there's someone called John Lear who alleges that a clean nuclear device presumably one that creates a lot of heat and blast but doesn't leave residual radiation um, was used to create a giant chamber under the poet Mesa in Area 52 
produced this this capability. Now, my he, understanding he's of, been discredited though um, mostly. Is, is. Yeah, because my understanding of of underground nuclear blasts is that they don't stay underground. They actually blast up through the surface, and all the material that they blow into the air becomes radioactive isotopes. Uh, it's a, you know, an underground bomb is a very very dirty bomb. Yes. Now I'm going to put three different things to you about about Area 50, about Dugway Proving Ground. Um, three different aspects that you you may not be aware of to see if this changes your opinion. First of all, uh, sorry, I'm going to give you four things. Four things, in fact, two of them are connected. Right. So first of all, um, from the start of Google Earth coming out right the way up until 2016 area 52 was on blackout from google earth Mm. you could not view it it was just completely blacked out why would they do that um i imagine the u.s military do have some kind of veto over that kind of thing say we just don't want we don't want these these areas that we use to appear on your maps. We don't want people to just be able to log into Google Earth and look at us. But they did fine for other sites. I mean, Area 51, you can. I, I don't know. But I would imagine the military have a lot of... Um, a lot of black... I, I know even in the UK, there are military sites where it just says military area and there's no... Ah, this there's no detail that. There. On, on, I mean, on an ordnance survey area. map, they, 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 oh, right. those areas yeah, are just fairly blank. Um, okay, now, 2016, it then gets added, um, mm. and we're allowed to see, and you do see hangars. One aircraft in particular, there's, there's a, a, a photo of this um, online, if you find it. There is an aircraft, either it's either coming in or coming out or... Halfway in and out of the hangar, and the part of that aircraft that you would be able to see has been blurred, so you can't actually see what kind of aircraft it is. No, but looking at where it's blurred, mm. um, you know, we've talked previously about triangular shaped UFOs. Yes, this looks pretty triangular shaped to me, like a like a delta winged aircraft. No, more like an equilateral triangle. Okay. But doesn't um doesn't a Vulcan bomber look pretty much like that from like an equilateral, does it? I'm not sure of the actual angles actually, but it's probably not far off. Her. So an equilateral triangle is when each side is equal. Yeah, and the, and the three angles the are equal, yes. Um, the angles are equal, but the length of each side is equal. So it's well, they they have to be, don't they? Otherwise, yeah, yeah. If you want the, the angles yeah. to be, equal, of so. course, <laughs> basic trigonometry. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, and I, do you know, I can understand them blurring vehicles, but there are several other vehicles around in that image that have not been blurred. Mm. Just this one. Now that says to me they're hiding something. But then it, it could just be um, um, a prototype aircraft, couldn't it? Right. I'm going to ramp it up again now. Right. You're ready for this. So, it's a military base. Hmm. 
We know it's a military base. We know it's a top secret military base. So why are there parts of it that even the military are not allowed to go? Um, well, that doesn't make any sense. Is that unless there's something I mean, really I mean, top secret going so, so, on? Some someone must be authorised to go there. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Not the military, though. But you know, I've I've worked on I've worked on bases that where they have been involved in secret stuff, and not everyone who has access to the base has access to these inner compounds. This is on a, we're talking about a small British base mm. on a large American base or a vast area like Area 51 or 52. Um, you can imagine, yeah, there are plenty of plenty of soldiers who work there or civilians who... Who's, I mean, American bases are of a, a, a different kind of... Um, on, on a different scale. Imagine a British base. Basically, you go in the camp, you go through, there's the guard room and the gate and you go through and there's the parade square and there's a few barrack blocks around the parade square and a, a canteen and maybe at the back a rifle range and an assault course and, and whatever. And it will be home to about, I don't know, if it's, it's a regimental size, 600 troops. Um, that will be the wartime, the peacetime strength of an infantry regiment, um, which would expand to a thousand in, in wartime. Um, and somewhere nearby you would have what would look like a council estate basically which is the army married quarters where the married soldiers live um, but that that estate will probably serve as a few bases so you're talking somewhere like Purbright fairly small if you go somewhere like Fort Lewis in Seattle um, where I where I went on a on a on a detachment um, I remember we drove in the base and I thought, and we just kept driving and driving, and then we went past a, we went past a, an airfield, well, a major, like an airport, and through traffic lights, and we kept going. I mean, I remember one time, my mate and I decided to walk back from the NCOs club back to our barracks, and it took us over an hour. And this Fort Lewis has something like a hundred thousand troops based there, um, and with the civilians who service it as well. It's a it's a population of about a quarter of a million. At the time, we were told there, there are two murders every week on average on this base, and two rapes, um, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's on a an American base is on a completely different scale to a, a little British army barracks. Yeah, we have towns that aren't that big. Yeah, it it, it is somewhere like Fort Lewis. I mean, America, you know, places like. Um, Fort Worth in Texas. That's a major town with over a million people in it. But it started out as a fort. Mm. It would have just been a secure area where, where settlers could have settled down. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, in America you are talking about these vast base areas. And there will be some areas where only specific authorised personnel are allowed in. That's That's... Fair enough, but it has been alleged that part of this um, and and the military not having access to parts of it, um, the claim is that basically at Area 52 they have no oversight. The military don't have oversight. Well, the people running it, which is alleged not to be the military. Although the military will probably be involved in a protective capacity... 
Mm. And if no you tell doubt. a soldier you've got to guard this facility, but you're not allowed in, and no one's allowed in, um, it would take someone very strong-willed or very poorly militarily disciplined to break that rule. Oh, absolutely. You know, soldiers will stick absolutely. to it. Yeah, Although there is a, a, a story about the, um, the UFO investigator who was approached by someone claiming to work at Area 52 and met them in a cafe and they sat there and they pull out this photograph of themselves stood net they were, they were like with a, a colleague like another soldier mm. uh, stood next to a, a humvee and then in the background very clearly bold as brass you've got a ufo floating <laughs> um okay. now apparently this this ufo investigator when he when he reached out to take the photo they they just they wouldn't even let him hold the photo because they're absolutely banned from taking any photographs whatsoever. Um, so we don't have evidence of that. So it is hearsay, unfortunately. It's but hearsay. that would be a, a stonking one. Okay, I'm going to give you my last my last bit of querying on this. Oh. Then um, the Genesis, uh, Genesis space probe. This is a space probe sent out into space um, to collect interstellar matter. Mm. It comes back to Earth. It enters Earth's orbit. Something goes wrong. And it ends up um, just completely out of control. It's heading towards a, a city. I forget which one. And, you know, we're talking massive devastation if it hits. It is moved off its trajectory. This is public knowledge. Mm. It is moved off its trajectory. Now, I didn't know that we even had the technology to alter the flight paths of things like that. Uh, my understanding of space probes was they're not supposed to come back. We send them out, they gather information, and then as soon well, as they're, you know, this was out of, gathering out of contact, information. They just keep going. This was gathering physical material. Hmm. So yes, it needs to come back to deliver the material. Um, and where did it go? Do you do you know? Yes, um, it was deliberately veered off course. No, I mean, where where did it go in space? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm not 100% certain of that, um, but it's there on Google. Um, I mean, have we had craft that have, for instance, orbited Mars and come back? I I honestly don't know. Um, but this specific one, that, that's not mm. the interesting thing about this. Mm. So this is a spacecraft that is, is being brought back to Earth. It's lost control. It's heading towards the city. It is veered off its course of its crash course, it's, it's wildly out of control. There's video footage of it tumbling through the air. It is redirected somehow. Still don't know how, technology-wise. Um, and it crashes, guess where? Area 52. Area 52. Isn't that convenient? Well, certainly, um, where there's an orbiting craft... And they know that it's going to come down. And they want to make sure that it doesn't come down on a city like Skylab. That mm -hmm. they can cause it to um, 
to fall out of the sky at a certain point, can't they? They can roughly guess. Okay, uh, and I, I remember in the early 80s, it possibly was 1980, when was it? I think it was Skylab coming down. They said this thing is about the size of a bus dropping out of the sky, and it was going to come down somewhere in Lapland. And so the Swedish or Finnish government spent an awful lot of money um, going out to the, this fairly spot, sparsely populated area and with helicopters and evacuating people before this thing came down. Mm. Although someone worked out later that your chances of being killed in a helicopter crash whilst being evacuated were actually far greater than being hit by this thing when it <laughs> came down in this in this remote region. Yeah, but, but it's not just being hit by the thing, it's the collateral damage that it does around when it, but, it, but you a, get a, a massive impact like that. But but that wasn't the case with this. Um, this, it was already coming down, and it was coming down onto a city. Mm, I didn't know so they could alter that. that they'd, yeah. I don't I, know how they did it. I, I thought they could they could identify the, you know, basically work out where it's going to enter the Earth's orbit, enter the atmosphere... And then that's it. It just—it's just a free-falling object, then. Yeah. Now there is a theory that perhaps one of the things that has been developed at Area Fifty Two is an anti-spacecraft device, and they were testing it. Well, are we—are we straying into Ronald Reagan's Strategic Defence Initiative? Here, well, no, um, that was just that was just lasers blowing up missiles. Well, I mean, the technology we've seen for that is um, basically satellites being used as weapons, either mm. blasting other satellites or attacking targets on Earth with rail guns and things. But but also there was the the anti missile defence, wasn't there? The Patriot missile system, which mm -hmm. um, not half as good as it was made out to be. But that was a, a spin-off of that. Because that, basically an interballistic missile coming in is is a, a spacecraft, isn't it? It's, it? It goes into orbit um, and it re-enters over the target. So they, well, can, yeah. they can put an ICBM on a, on a certain spot. Shooting something down is one thing. Using a tractor beam like off Star Trek is a bit different, though. If if they use the tractor beam, but my understanding is that um, that with a, an intercontinental ballistic missile with multiple warheads, a MIRV or a MARV, um, once those warheads um, enter the atmosphere, they can then be guided to their targets. Well, yeah, no, I'm talking about this this um, satellite that mm. was was heading in one direction. Oh, yeah. How did they get it to veer course? Oh, Unless so, it was so, some yeah, form so of tractor if, beam. If it was like a, a warhead from a missile, presumably they could have that system in a satellite and say, okay, well, once this thing's come through the Earth's orbit, we can actually, we can actually guide it. I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's more of an anti, for want of a better term, an anti-flying saucer device that they were testing. Well, yeah, but it... But it, is, it, it would also work against something of terrestrial origin, like a, like a missile being fired from China. That, Theoretically, You would need yeah. the same kind of defence system. You, you need to be able to take out something that's coming in from orbit. Well, yeah, but if you're bringing that object to you to crash, hmm. rather than destroying it... So if it's a missile, you're going to want to destroy it. So If it's yeah, an alien about... spacecraft, you're going to want to bring it in 
to crash as close to you as possible, as close to where you w- are going to want to dissect it. Um, yeah, so there, there's two separate things here. It's whether, whether we're talking about a defence system for shooting down things that are coming in from orbit, or whether we're but, talking about controlling the trajectory of our own vehicles well, the, that are returning The Genesis orbit. space probe wasn't shot down, so... No, but no. it was our own spacecraft that was returning, so they needed the technology to be able to... Yeah. to guide it um, but what was that technology and what's its real purpose well so you know, the, the space shuttle for instance that's that's guided once it's come through orbit it's basically a glider isn't it it's coming in um but it's pi- it's got a pilot sat in the cockpit mm. well it, it's not too far-fetched to imagine that that could be remotely a smaller vehicle could be remotely controlled i'd um i strongly suggest um finding the footage of the genesis space probe uh, coming in okay. because it is very clearly totally and utterly out of control. It is just tumbling massively through the air as it as it falls. Wow. There is absolutely no control within the vehicle within the well the, the no, probe itself. Control, but somehow the, you say they they guided it to yeah to not crash on a city. Yeah, yeah, it was falling like a very tumbly rock. Um, and presumably, if something was coming out of orbit heading towards a city with massive destructive capability um it's it's only if it's one of ours and we've built in that that steerage capability that we can do that we we couldn't if if a a chinese nuclear warhead was coming towards an american city they couldn't steer that away to the ocean or the desert if something is tumbling though steering is just not an option no that, that's what I'm saying. I'd, I'd strongly recommend looking at that footage. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say something about giant underground chambers. Because mm-hmm. what is known to exist in the United States are these chambers, um, which are kind of survival chambers, where people can go you know, in the event of a super volcano going off or nuclear war or, or something like that. Um, people can go and live in these underground communities um, for a year or two years or forever long until you know until it's safe to go out again um and I rather like this story because it's it costs it costs a huge amount of money to reserve your place down there for you and your family basically going to go to live down there in a in a, in a sort of barrack like area with bunk beds and you know um dry eating dried food mm. um, e- eating emergency rations um so yeah it's hugely expensive to reserve a place down there so it's only the very wealthy who are going to survive these these holocausts, mm. and I like to imagine I can imagine a, a, a post-apocalypse survival story where these people come out of of from their underground shelters, but their post-apocalyptic survival skills include owning land, manipulating the stock market, um, <laughs> collecting <laughs> rents, living off your inheritance. You know. <laughs> Douglas Adams uh, explored something similar in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Although it was more about middlemen. Um, yeah, but you the know, hairdressers if, and the telephone sanitation. But you know, if if we were faced with a, a, a holocaust, um, and it was decided you know, only a limited number of people are going to survive, it's going to be the politicians. I'm sure they would. Nobody would, even though say say you've got to go underground for ten years. Nobody would suggest that you leave the Queen out 
even though what well, is she going to live another, how old is she now 94 96 is mm. she going to live another 10 years probably not but there's no way they're going to leave her on the surface they would have a, a massive royal chamber down there the people servicing that they'd have politicians they'd have the military that it was and, and rich people basically it's going to be rich people who will survive anything that so happens. We, so we don't know what a post-apocalyptic world would look like but we do know that they'll be able to speak latin so. Um, well, they will have a smattering of schoolboy Latin, which they can yeah. use for for irrelevant non-secretaires when they don't know what else to say. Um, so, if our prime minister said anything to go by, we've run a bit over. Um, so let's do our our summary then. Um, so, Area Fifty Two, Dugway Proving Grounds. Come on, then, Neil. Have we get convinced you that it's anything um, strange or weird? No, I'm I'm sure that the military has all sorts of proving grounds out in the vast wastes of of Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, many of which are not not open to the public. Um, And I think all sorts of um, there's all sorts of speculation as to what they might well be doing there. Um, You know, it could be something a lot more terrifying than than. (laughs) handling ex- extraterrestrials it could be dealing with some some terrible weapon system that uh, we we can barely imagine there could Not be concentration the camps there there could be something absolutely dreadful going on for all we know so well for me I, I, I mean because of that because yes there are all these bases all across america um many of them are highly top secret um, and all sorts of strange things going on at them, but none of them have all the stories coming out that Area Fifty Two has built up over the years. Um, none of them seem to have the the flurry of UFO activity around them, or so much strangeness and strange stories coming out um, that we you know we've barely scratched the surface off here. So that suggest to me I, um, I'm, I suppose I'm kind of a no smoke without fire hmm. person on this on this occasion I'm not normally like that but yeah on this occasion no smoke without fire but what do you think listeners is it all mundane is it all just normal military nothing to see here stuff going on or are they dissecting grey aliens or are they actually working with grey aliens beneath the very ground in Dugway? Do messages and let us know what you think. Join us next time when we'll be discussing a famous case from here in the UK. Famous Rendlesham Forest. Is that one? Until then, keep watching those proving grounds and the skies. Take care. See you next time. Catch you next time. Bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit AliensExplored.com. 